Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Anybody like to grill? I like to, I like to grill I like to get them hamburgers and hot dogs and, and chicken and ribs and steak and get those things on the grill. But, but here's my problem. We got a gas grill. And, uh, and I got to go and I, I buy these, these propane tanks. Anybody, so I get propane, propane gas, propane grill, grill. Anybody have one of those? And you go and you get the propane tanks. Here's my problem. There's no gauge to know how much propane is in the tank. And and notoriously, I'm notorious for this, every year there's at some point where I start grilling and it, it lights. And I'm telling you, it's hot when I put the, the, the burgers on. It, it's hot when I'm putting the chicken on. It's, it's hot. I close the lid, I walk away, and, and I come back after a little time. I'm ready to flip and I'm not ready to flip and there's, there's no flame. There's no heat because the propane has run out. It had just enough to light, but not enough to keep it lit. Anybody else have that problem? Am I the only person? Where is the gauge? I know. Somebody coached me after the 9 a.m. service and told me, you know, you got to pick it up and check it. But it's underneath there. Like, every time I got to, like, try to, like, you know, I, I guess I do. You got to gauge because, because if not, there's no flame. There's no ability to be able to, you know, hit that little igniter. And, you know, so I come back and I'm trying to get it to light again. And you're hitting that little igniter and nothing's happening. Right? All you hear is click, 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 click. And so I'm a little fearful of that because one time um, when we were newly married, we had one of them little tabletop things with the little propane tanks. Those little things are dangerous. Anybody ever had a bad experience with that? And, and, and they didn't have like a little lit light thing. You had to like put a match or, you know, one of those little aim and flame. I guess that's what I call them, aim and flame things, you know. And, and I remember the one time I'm trying and it's not lighting, it's not lighting. And I did a dumb thing. I stuck my head down there. Man, I burned my eyebrows, were burned off. Like my, they were gone since the front of my hair was all singed. My face was all red. And it was a Wednesday night and I'm a youth pastor and I got to go preach. I had no eyelashes left. They were gone. Seriously, I yelled out. My wife thought, what happened? You know, we're newly married, you know, in the 20s, you know. She didn't know what was going on. I'm screaming, oh, I'm on the ground. Little neighborhood kids are running over. You know, thinking, he's dead, he's dead. No, he's not dead, he's just stupid, you know. You know, but the thing is, is you can't, you, you don't, if you don't have the fuel, you can't light the flame. If you don't have the fuel, you can't light the flame. So we were, we were talking last week, if you were with us, about the lamp of God. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to, to go and, and, and check it out. We were talking about keeping our lamps burning. I'm going to look at the scripture we, we kicked off with. But we were talking about the Old Testament lampstand. The Old Testament lampstand was a golden candlestick, they, they called it. But it was like a menorah. And it had a large shaft in the center. And then there were three uh, branches on each side that would come. And the oil started in the center. And the center represented Jesus As the oil was poured in, it literally uh, allowed the rest of the lamps on each side to have the oil to be able to burn. And uh, and if they were not connected to that that center part of the candlestick that represented uh, that, that center part, then they wouldn't burn. Same way, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. 
you know, remain in me and I in you. If you don't remain in me, uh, then, then you, you, you don't bear fruit, right? Remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. And we, we talked about the importance of keeping our lamp burning. We looked at, we talked about the old story of Samuel and Eli, Eli and his sons. And, and the lamp of God went out. Why? Because it said the word of the Lord was rare. They tolerated sin and they grew apathetic. They grew apathetic to the things of God. When the warnings came, Eli was apathetic and did not do what he needed to do when, when there was sin. And as a result of that, the ark of God was captured and the glory of the Lord departed. Ichabod was the name of the child that was birthed by one of the sons, by, by the, the wife of one of the sons of Eli. And she called him Ichabod because the glory had departed. And, and we were talking about warning that we've got to keep our lamps burning. We've got to keep our lamps burning. And, but, but today, I want to take a look at that element, because in the candlesticks, what you, what you see is, is they were filled with a pure pressed olive oil. And if you know anything about Scripture, you know that in Scripture, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to talk about the oil of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 12, 35 and 36, Jesus said this, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. This is what Jesus said. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. Although you are waiting for your master to return from a wedding feast, then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives. Let Keep your lamps burning. Friends, we're living in a day and age where I don't know about you, but I am waiting the return of Jesus. I'm awaiting the return of Jesus. But Jesus says that as we are waiting for our master to return, that we are to keep our lamp burning. The lampstand analogy is the idea of the oil of the Holy Spirit that is saturating the wick, saturating the lick, for the power of the light of the lamp comes from the wick, the oil saturating the wick. But, the, but if, if the wick is, is saturated, the oil or the, the lamp burns brightly, but, but if it closes itself off from the supply, if it smolders or if it's charred and, and, and not trimmed, it goes out. Friends, we must allow the oil of God's Holy Spirit to saturate our lives, to saturate our lives. Now listen, every, every believer, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, all right? Every believer has the Holy Spirit living within them. Romans chapter 8, 9, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Galatians 3, 2, and 3. That's what they talk about. But in Scripture, we also see that we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. So we have the Spirit living in us, but part of growing is to learn how to walk in the Spirit. We've got to learn how to, how to depend on the Spirit continually. F.B. Meyer once said this, he observed that the wick is dependent on the source of the oil moment by moment. If there is no storehouse or backup supply, it's always on the edge of bankruptcy, but always supplied. Friends, we've got to learn how to lean in to the Holy Spirit day by day and moment by moment, how to walk in the Spirit. So I want to look specifically at the oil of the Holy Spirit today. I want to look at the oil of the Holy Spirit, specifically the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look in, in the Old Testament, whenever a priest or a king was chosen and selected by God, they were anointed with oil for service. 
They were anointed with oil. We're going to look at Saul today, and we're going to look at David today when they, when, when they were anointed by uh, Samuel, and, and you're going to see that the oil was poured out over them as they were anointed for service, and the Holy Spirit's power came on them. There was an anointing. The anointing is not just a, a, a little sprinkle. It's not just a little dabble. It was poured out. You get a picture of this in Psalm chapter 133, verse 2. And it's talking about unity and the, and the beauty of unity. But it also gives an illustration of the anointing process. And it says, for harmony is as precious, look at it, precious, as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the, the border of his robe. When you're talking about the anointing, you're talking about a, a dumping out, a pouring over where it runs down the head, runs down the beard, drips down onto the clothing, and down onto the robe. You're not talking about a little bit, but you're talking about a drenching, so to speak. It was not a natural ability, but it was in a divine enablement. There was an assignment that had been given, and then there was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that enabled divinely for that person to walk out what they had been assigned to do. There's a difference between gifting and anointing. Gifting is an inherent ability to do something well. In other words, people are gifted in leadership or, or as we have the NBA All-Star Game, gifted in, in athletics or sports or there's some natural gifting. We're not talking about natural gifting. We're talking about anointing and the anointing is divine enablement to do something beyond your natural ability. It's a God-given enablement. It's a divine enablement. Friends, God wants us to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to burn brightly for Him. He wants to ignite a fire within us. But in order for that, we've got to learn how to value the importance of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the anointing and the oil analogy of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to talk to you about four important principles of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this. The anointing of the Holy Spirit must be seen as essential. There was a whole lot of talk about essential over the last couple of years. I want you to know, friends, what we're going to see in Scripture is the Holy Spirit is essential in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit is essential in the life of the believer you know, the, the name for, for Jesus as, it, as he was to come, in the Old Testament, the, the name that was given was Messiah, Mashiach in the Hebrew. Do you know what that stands for? Anointed one. Do you know in the, in the Greek, it's Christ or Christos, Christ. It's where we get Christ from, Christos, anointed one. Christ is not his last name. It's a description of his association with the Holy Spirit. That, the, that, that Jesus who would come would have an association with the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know that, that when Jesus, Jesus is both fully God and fully man. He was fully God, and then when he came, he was fully man. He was fully man. He, he was Messiah, the anointed one. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was upon him. Luke details this out. If we look at, start at Luke 3, and then we move over to Luke 4, I'm going to give you four passages of Scripture that happen in rapid fire where you understand Jesus' association, the anointed one, his association with the Holy Spirit. Okay, here it is. 
Starting in, in, in verse 3, or, or chapter 3, verse 22, Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Spirit, this is baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. All right? So, so at his baptism, the Holy Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove in bodily, uh, in bodily form. Then in Luke 4, 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the words, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led into the Spirit, by the Spirit, into the wilderness. So he's led by the Spirit, he's filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. So he's in the wilderness, fasting 40 days, we know that, and we know that there, there, there was some temptation that happened, and he overcame the temptation by the Word of God. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Now look at what happens when he comes out of the wilderness, right? Verse 14. Then Jesus returned, look at this, in the power of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news went throughout all the regions, surrounding regions. Jesus, fully man, was filled with the Spirit. Jesus, fully man, was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit for the ministry that he had been called and anointed to do. Now, there's one more. There's one more. Because you say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, Jesus himself said it. <laughs> How did he do that? Look at verse 17, Luke 4, 17. All right, come Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, filled with the power, filled with the Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 17. And he was handed the book. He goes into the, into the synagogue. He's handed the book of Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place that is written. So he's flipping through the book to what he's going to read. He's flipping through. This is Jesus. And he finds the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus, his own admission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The earthly ministry of Jesus was one in which he walked and was filled with and was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives where? In us who believe. In you. In you, Jesus is demonstrating. People say, just be like Jesus, be like Jesus. I love how people say, be like Jesus, but then they're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Be like Jesus, but put the Holy Spirit in a box because the Holy Spirit scares me. Be like Jesus, just not with the Holy Spirit. Listen, you cannot be like Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Without understanding the oil of the Holy Spirit, without understanding your light cannot burn bright and you cannot minister in what God has called you to do without the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He says, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to send me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. I don't know about you, but when I look at our community, when I look at Painesville, and I look at Menor, and I look at Chardon, and I look at Perry, and I look, I look around at our community, and maybe I didn't name yours, but you know where you live. I see a lot of people who are broken. I see a lot of people who are bound. I see a lot of people with broken hearts that need mended. I see a lot of people who are in need of healing. And friends, the way that's going to happen is when God's people, when God's church start valuing and seeing that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is essential in our lives. 
We need the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is essential to living an ignited life. And Jesus understood that not just for himself, but for his disciples. That's why that, that, that as he was getting ready after he, his resurrection, he's getting ready to ascend uh, to the Father. He gathers the disciples around. And in Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5, he says this. It says, once when he was eating with them. I love that he loved to eat with them. That shows the humanity, right? Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. This isn't a new thing. This isn't some new thing. This is something that had been promised. Just like the Messiah had been promised, the Holy Spirit had been promised. There are prophecies about that. Read the book of Joel chapter 2. Peter explains it on the day of Pentecost using Joel chapter 2 and other passages. It was, it was a gift that had been promised. The gift that he promised, and I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Friends, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is essential if we're going to live an ignited life. When we talk about baptism, again, I'm not talking about a little sprinkle, right? When we talk about that, we're talking about immersed in. We got a tank right back there. When people give their lives to Christ, we walk in baptism. They were immersed in the water. Listen, when there was an anointing that was done, it was poured out over. It's an immersing. It's an anointing. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gift the Father has promised. And we know what happened on Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. It came down. They began to, to speak in other tongues and other languages, and people go, oh, they're drunk. They must be drunk. That's why we sometimes are so afraid of the Holy Spirit, right? Some of us are less afraid to get drunk with alcohol and more afraid to be drunk in the Holy Spirit. One of it brings destruction, and the other of it brings life. Paul said, don't, uh, Peter, yeah, Paul, when he wrote in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I'll just let that sit there for a moment. And what happened? The anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, began to preach. People's hearts were rent. They were, they were convicted, and, 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 and they said, what shall we do? And, and he says, repent, therefore, and be baptized, every one of you. And 3,000 were brought to the church in that day. 3,000. Why? Because the baptism in the Holy Spirit was essential. You say, well, that was for the apostles. That's, that's not for us. That was for the apostles. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that we believe that because then in Acts chapter 6, uh, there's conflict because there's never conflict in the church. But in this church, there was conflict. You know, even in the early church when the Holy Spirit was being poured out, there was conflict. But I know today we have no conflict in the church. There's nothing like that going on. But, but just for context sake, there was conflict. It was over a feeding program. The, 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 they felt like the widows of the uh, of a certain sect were not being treated like the widows over here. It's not fair. It was one of those things. It's not fair. And, and so the apostles are trying to figure out what to do. And so uh, they, they come up with a solution so that they continue to, to be in the word. They can continue to preach. They can continue to do what they feel like they've been anointed and called to do. And, and so here's, here's what they come up with. And, and, and pay attention to the qualifications. Acts 6, 2 to 3. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles who spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so the brothers, uh, so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full, full of what? Full of the spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them this responsibility. Interesting. It's a food program. Come on, you just need somebody that is gifted in leadership 
Gifted in organization, right? Somebody that can lead people well. Somebody that's gifted in organization. No, full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit to do a feeding program. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to tell you that when God calls you to do something, he wants to fill you with his spirit to do it so that you're not just walking around in your natural gift and ability, but he wants to do something supernatural in and through your life. And, and we see this because later on in, 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 in Acts chapter 8, one of these who had been set apart, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit active in his life. His name is Philip. And there's persecution on the church. And so Philip pushes out and Philip goes to an area that's called Samaria. And in Samaria, there's a, there's a, there's a group of people and, uh, and they have a sorcerer among them. His name is Simon and he's done all kinds of things and he kind of has them under his spell. But then Philip comes in and, and look what happens. In, in verse 6, Acts 8, 6, crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Remember, Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to what? To preach the gospel to the poor. What is Philip doing? They're listening to him. What? He's preaching the gospel. He, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. There were, there were many evil spirits that were cast out screaming as they left their victims. The same ministry that Jesus was under, we see under Philip. He was not one of the apostles. He was one of the men who they had set aside who was full of the Holy Spirit. And being full of the Holy Spirit, he did exactly what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And people were being healed. And people were being set free. And the gospel was being preached. And people came to know Christ. Why? Because Philip was operating under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there was great joy in his city. You want to see great joy in our city? Then God's people need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Bringing the joy of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Preaching the gospel. Signs and wonders following as they are set free from the demons that plague their lives and their families for generations. It wasn't just the apostles, men who were full of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and there were people that were, they were, they were baptized. There's the result. Verse 12, now people would believe Philip's message, the good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many Men and women were baptized, right? Including Simon. Come out from the power of that, of that sorcerer. Come out from the power of that one who was operating under the, the, the power of the evil one. Instead, the power of God took over, and even he was, was baptized. But that wasn't enough. You want to talk about the Holy Spirit being essential? That wasn't enough. Come on, wake up your brother or sister sitting next to you that fell asleep. It's time to look at this. Look at this. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Well, why'd they send Peter and John there? As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon 
any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, yes, at salvation, they had received the person of the Holy Spirit. But now, Peter and John said, there's something else that is essential for you. There's something else that you need. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the Holy Spirit because it is essential as you are in this place where demonic forces like Simon abound. You need to walk and be in the power and the anointing under the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's essential in the life of every believer. But how many of you know sometimes you can be full of the Spirit and sometimes, like that propane tank, right, you get a little down, right? Life gets busy. You start to neglect the things of God. You start to neglect times of prayer. I mean, ask yourself, when was the last time you prayed? You pray, I mean, really prayed. I'm not talking about praying over your food prayed. I'm talking about crying out to God prayed. I'm talking about stirring up the gift of the Holy Spirit prayer. I'm talking about praying in the Spirit. Life gets busy. Things happen. As D.L. Moody once, a woman asked D.L. Moody once, why do you talk so often about the need to be filled with the Spirit? You always are stressing the need to be filled again and again. Why is it once enough to be filled? And Moody replied two words, I leak. I leak. Can I just tell you, I leak. Come on. Let's be honest, sometimes we leak. We need to tap into the flow of the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to tap in. So let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Is the, is the, is the Holy Spirit in your life, is it essential? How essential is the Holy Spirit in your life, in your walk with the Lord. You see, if you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us we just simply need to ask for it. You need to ask for it. Ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. Number two, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is for specific use. When God gives his anointing to us, there's always a specific purpose. Let's go back to Jesus for a moment. We, we kind of highlighted this. Again, he opened the book of the prophet of Isaiah and it turned to the place the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me and there's a purpose. What has he anointed him to do? To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There's a specific purpose. There's a specific purpose. You know, I, I, many of you know that, that uh, Jamie and I have two kids, Caleb and Olivia, and uh, great kids. Caleb's away at college, all right? And uh, when I was in college, I mean, we had dormitories and we had a meal plan, right? You know, you buy the meal plan, that's where I go to eat. At his school, he's in an apartment with four other guys, and uh, there's no meal plan, so he had to learn how to grocery shop, right? Okay, so every once in a while, you know, um, we'll get a call, because that's what college kids do, right? They call their parents, and they go, and he'll say, you know, I really need some groceries, and I'm you know, I, I, could, I could really use some cash. And I don't mind giving cash, you know, for groceries. I don't mind giving cash. So I'll say, okay, Caleb, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transfer 100 bucks into your account. I'm going to send you 100 bucks, you know, that kind of thing. But, but, but listen, here's my gift. But listen, the 100 bucks, it's for groceries. He's a college student, right? It's for groceries. There's a purpose to my gift. There's a purpose to my gift. There is a purpose to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to the, to, the, to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the anointing of, there is a purpose 
to it. There's a purpose to it. In fact, similarly in the Old Testament, Exodus 30, 30 illustrates about anointing Aaron, the high priest. We read about it earlier. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests. The anointing was so they could function in their role as priests. And then, then later on, in the very next chapter, you say, well, that's the priests, right? Well, let me remind you, last week we talked about what Peter said, that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Okay, that's, that's us. That's, that's anybody who's received Christ. You say, I don't want to be a priest. Too late. If you gave your life to Christ, you're, 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 you're a priest. You're a priest, right? The Holy Spirit is for you, all right? But, but more than that, look at, look at not just in the priesthood, but look at the very next chapter. Exodus 31, 1 to 3, Moses had been given the, 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 the tabernacle, how to build the tabernacle and all that. But then, then this is what it says. And the Lord said to Moses, look, I've specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God and given him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Crafts. Why do you need the, 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 to be filled with the Holy Spirit for crafts? Right? There, there are some of you in your job, you have a natural ability, but God wants to give you supernatural ability. There are things that God wants to give you supernatural creativity. He wants to anoint you for his purpose under the power of the Holy Spirit. When God assigns you something, he anoints you and gives you everything you need to fulfill that purpose. Some of us say, well, I don't think I can do that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I can do that. If God gives you the assignment, then he will empower you to do that through his Holy Spirit. When you learn how to walk in the Spirit and not in your natural ability, but you learn to walk in the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit, you will begin to see God do supernatural things. Functioning under the Holy Spirit's anointing. Too many times we lean in and we function under our natural ability and we leave the Holy Spirit on a shelf on the side, uh, you know, like the crazy uncle that we don't want to invite to the family reunion. We treat the Holy Spirit as if he's the crazy uncle that we're ashamed of. And we wonder why we're not walking in the power and the anointing that we see in Scripture. Why is the church so anemic today? Because the church has set the Holy Spirit on the shelf rather than learning how to walk in the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and valuing the essential person of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the essentialness of the anointing. I don't even think essentialness is a word. Some of you are cringing right now. I'm cringing that I even said that. We don't value seeing the Holy Spirit as essential to accomplish the purpose in which we've been called to do. Thirdly, the, the, the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes from his power. It comes from his power. Luke 4, uh, going back to what, what it says about Jesus, that he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that follows, he told his disciples this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, dunamis, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why don't we tell people about Jesus? Why are we so afraid to talk to people about Jesus and tell people about Jesus? Because we're trying to do it in our natural wisdom and we're not walking under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. God has called and equipped and empowered us for what he's called us to live. Now let me just, let me just kind of walk through something. I'm gonna, it's going to seem like I'm taking a, a detour, but really there's a method to my madness, okay? 
I was kind of reading in Job. It's always intrigued me. You know, the book of Job has always intrigued me. In the beginning of the book of Job, you know, it, 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 it highlights about Job, that Job's a righteous man, all that. And then all of a sudden there's this scene, and, and, and people are coming, and, 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 and the servants of God are coming, and they're laying offerings in the presence of the Lord. And then it, it says that Satan was there. That's just kind of always intrigued me that Satan was there. And, 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 and God says to him, what are you doing? And they, I'm roaming to and fro on the earth. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? Doesn't that perplex you a little bit, Right? Have you considered my servant Job? And, and he's like, well, Job, 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 Job only serves you because you put a hedge around him, because you protect him, because you bless him, and I can't get to him. You remove that and he'll curse you to your face. And, and God says, okay, you can't take his life, but I'll lift that. You can't take his life. Go ahead and test him in this because I know my servant Job. And, and it brought me to Revelation chapter 12 and in verse 10. In Revelation 12, 10, it calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. And it says this about him. It says he accuses them both day and night before our God. He accuses them both how many know that, that there's a picture of Satan who's accusing? How, how many know that, 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 that Satan stands before God and he's accusing you before God? He's accusing you. He's accusing me. You see him? You see that attitude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see that thought? Mm-hmm. You hear that thought that just passed? You see what he just said? Mm-hmm. Right? He's, he's accusing He's always accusing. He's always accusing. So, so I'm, 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 I'm in this, and I'm, you know, about this anointing and, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm in the passage that where, where Samuel has come to anoint David as king. David doesn't know it yet. He's, he's out in the field. He's about 16 years old. He's a shepherd boy. He's the youngest of, of everybody else, and he's out in the field. And I could just imagine. Can you, can you imagine? This is not in the Bible. This is just me imagining, okay? So and my sanct, unsanctified, sanctified mind, I don't know. But, but, but can you imagine? So Satan's there, and he's accusing people, and, and, uh, and, and Samuel's coming. And Samuel comes to anoint the next king of Israel, right? And, and he sees Eliab. And then I'm Satan trying to accuse Eliab, and I don't know about Eliab, I don't know, and stands head and shoulders, and, and Samuel's looking, and God says, no, Samuel, not that one. God look, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, not that one. And, and Satan's thinking, oh, not that one, okay, all right, who's next? No, the next one, uh-oh, I don't know about the next one, oh, I don't know about, I don't know, and gets all the way down, Satan goes, what? And God says, oh, you know, you know who I'm going to anoint the next king? I'm going to anoint David. And Satan, David, <laughs> you mean that little kid out in the field? That little shepherd boy, that little kid out in the field, that's who you're going to anoint king? Oh, come on, you're making it too easy for me, God. Come on. You're just, you're making it too easy for me, right? And, and then I can imagine just at that moment, just at that moment, you're making it too easy. This, this happens. 1 Samuel 16, 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took a flask of oil, olive oil he had brought, and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Can you imagine Satan's response? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You didn't, you didn't tell me you were going to put your spirit on him. You, you didn't tell me you were going to give him your anointing. Come on, that little shepherd boy out there. I'm okay with that. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. With, you didn't tell me you were going to, you didn't tell me you were going to put your anointing on him. You, you didn't tell me you were going to do that. Oh, come on, friends. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate advantage. For those of you gamers, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate cheat code. Right? We, the, the key, 
the key to Jesus' ministry being in power and authority was because Jesus had an association and walked under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the key to the early church and the, and the power that was moving is because they understood the anointing and the association with the Holy Spirit. We don't understand the importance of the Holy Spirit. We are not ignited to change and turn our world upside down because we have neglected the oil of the Holy Spirit. We've neglected it. It's not our strength but our weakness where God shines through. One of the greatest advertisements of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God is when ordinary people do extraordinary things. Preston Morrison once said this, your weakness is a divine setup for the God of the universe to flex his strength through you. God wants to flex his strength through you. When the Holy Spirit empowers, the impossible becomes possible. I'm trying to stir up faith, friends. Some of you, some of you have been so beaten down over these last couple of years that, I mean, you, you, you don't understand the power of God. We take a look at our world. We take a look at all the different things that are happening that are outside of our control, and we think somehow we are helpless. What are we going to do? Oh, it's so terrible. Did you hear the news today? Did you hear what they said? Did you hear there's another strain of this? There's another strain of that? Did you hear there's some thing over here that they're trying behind closed doors to get this to work, and they're trying behind closed doors to get this to work, and I'm getting myself all worried and all upset, and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I know what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to look to the one who's greater. I'm going to look to the one who said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, come on. We all, we all love that passage in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, don't we? Where, where, where it says, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord as Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Do you know the vision that God was giving to Zechariah when that verse was spoken that we just take out of that verse? Do you know the vision? The vision was of the lampstand. Only this time there were two olive trees. And the olive trees were continually dripping oil into the lampstand. So that there was always enough oil for the lampstand to burn. It's not by my might. It's not by my power. It is by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's learn that we need to value the importance of the anointing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm going to move up to number four. Don't ever let the anointing become more important than the anointer. This is where people get off. This is where there's crazy stuff where people get off. They, they, they start valuing the, the, the response of the anointing and they start feeling the, the power of God and they start elevating themselves and they stop understanding that the more value is on the anointer, not on the anointing. The anointing comes from the anointer. It comes from the anointer. And, and there's a, we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can have a relationship. Do you understand that you, you have a relationship? That you have a, a, I said I have a relationship with Jesus. Listen, as a, as, a, as a believer, you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The early church had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, just before they sent Paul and Barnabas out, Acts chapter 13, look what it says. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said. It doesn't say, and Jesus said. It doesn't say, and the Father said. And the Holy Spirit said. Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them. 
So after more fasting and prayer, men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. They're, they're praying and speaking. The Holy Spirit commissions them out. They were, they were traveling, as they're traveling on their missionary journeys, Acts 16, starting verse 6, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then they came to the borders of, of Mysia, headed north to the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of the Lord did not allow them to go there, so instead they went through Mysia to a seaport at Troas. The Holy Spirit was essential in their lives, directing and leading them. There was a relationship they had with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guiding them, the Holy Spirit leading them, the Holy Spirit setting them apart. You and I need to understand and value the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now... We need to value the anointer more than the anointing. And this is where I, I want to go back to Saul and David because I want to contrast because this is where I think Saul missed it. This is what I think was the difference between Saul and David. Let me go back. Here's what happened with Saul's anointing. Then Samuel, in 1 Samuel 10, 1, then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it over Saul's head, kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be ruler over Israel, his special possession. So he anoints him. And then in verse 10, 1 Samuel 10, 10, it says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Saul and he too began to prophesy. Do you know that in the beginning part of Saul's ministry, what elevated Saul and what allowed Saul to be able to rise into the place where he was king and lead the people was because Saul began to function under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But somewhere along the line, he leaked a little bit. Somewhere along the line, he stopped valuing the anointer and started valuing more of the anointing and started to, to miss something because later on, there's a battle that's gonna take place and a sacrifice has to be wait to, met to, to, had, had, to be, had to be offered in order for them to go into battle. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and Samuel is late and Samuel isn't showing up and showing up and and, and Saul thinks a little bit too much of himself and his anointing that he has on his life, the anointing as king, not the anointing as priest. And what does he do? He takes and he offers the sacrifice himself. He takes what is not his to offer and in his hands because of pride. Because he, because he, he is valuing a, a, the anointing more than the anointer and he's not recognizing his place. And when he does that, Samuel shows up and Samuel rebukes him. Samuel rebukes him. And, and, and Samuel tells him, listen, the, the kingdom is going to be torn from you. You're not going to have it. And you know, what, you know what Saul's response is? It's not repentance. It's Samuel, well, okay, well, will you at least go back with me to, to, to honor with the people so the people will, be, will, will honor me as king? He, he, he was more worried about his position the anointing of the position than he was about his relationship with the anointer. Now, let me move over to David. Come on, we already talked about the fact that, that David had, 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 had been, the oil had been poured on. He, he operated in the power of the spirit. But you know, David wasn't a perfect person, right? I remember a story of Bathsheba, you know, committed adultery and then tried to cover it up, committed murder. That's a bad thing, right? When he's confronted by Nathan the prophet, here's, here's David's reaction. Psalm 51 is his, his, his psalm that kind of gets into the heart of David and his, his repentance and, 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 and weeping and, and look into his prayer. And I just want to highlight two verses, 10 and 11. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And look at this. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. David valued his relationship and association with the Holy Spirit. 
You and I need to learn how to value our relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm bringing it to a close. Worship team, will you come? How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you received the filling of the Holy Spirit? Are you filled up? Maybe you've leaked a little bit and your tank is kind of empty. Today is the day to begin to allow the Lord to refill you with his Holy Spirit. Maybe there's an assignment that God has given you that you just don't know. I just don't know if I can do. I just don't know. Listen, listen, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you say, I've been doing a lot of things in my own strength and I recognize that I really need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Friends, if we're gonna be the kind of church that is involved in turning the world upside down, if we're going to be the kind of church where, where the good news is preached, if we're going to be the kind of church that binds up the brokenhearted in our community and that sees the captives set free and that sees people healed, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own gifting. We can only do it when we as a body come together and say, God, fill us. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, let us walk in the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit. We can't do it without you. Come on. Come on. We need the Holy Spirit. Come on. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just ask. Holy Spirit, right now, fill us up. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Fill us up to overflowing. Come, 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 Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Begin to fill us up right now. We repent. If there's things in your life you need to repent of right now, Right now, if you've been convicted by the Spirit, begin to repent of those things you're convicted of. Say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. You know the sin that's in your life. Maybe it's been apathy. Maybe it's been apathy. Maybe you haven't been spending time with the Lord. Maybe you've been operating in your own natural flesh, but not operating in the Spirit. Whatever it is, as the Spirit convicts, begin to repent and then ask the Lord to fill you. Ask Him to fill you again. Ask Him to fill you again. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We need to be filled up with you. Come, 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 Holy Spirit. Fill us up. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we're going to sing and worship. Will you stand? And if you need to, will you just make an altar maybe at your seat? Or maybe you want to just come and step out of your seat and come and make an altar. You want to be filled with the Spirit today. Maybe you need to be refilled today. Will you come? And let's just begin to cry out and ask God to fill us with His Spirit this morning. Come on, to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.